0: we also are continuing in our series on playfulness. And so in that light, we turn to Luke-Acts, as it's often called. And a lot is going on. And in the midst of all that going on, we find... Our attention turns to, or Luke's attention uh, turns to Philip. And this is what happens. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now, there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He come down to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. And he asked, do you understand what you are reading he replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, about whom may I ask you, does this prophet say this about himself or about someone else? And Philip began to speak. And starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. The word of the Lord. Join me in a prayer. In this moment, we pray, O God, that you might speak to us, that you might help us depart from our frenzied schedules, our heavy responsibilities, the things that weigh heavy on our soul and in our hearts. We might be removed for that if only for a moment. Hear your voice. Know your spirit that playfully walks into our lives, begins to dance. This we pray. Amen. So this encounter between Philip and the Ethiopian is part of a larger story that begins at the beginning of this chapter in Acts with uh, Saul Saul persecuting the church this is the same Saul that later has a conversion experience in fact just a chapter later and becomes Paul and becomes a, a big supporter of the church but right now he's still Saul and he is after church people he is on the hunt for church people and Luke the author of Acts, tells us that Saul is splitting up and scattering all these new followers of the Jesus movement, and they're scattered all over the region. And it seems as if Philip is one of those. Luke goes on to say that Philip decides then to go down to Samaria and preach Christ to them, which is interesting. In other words, right away we're starting to see the gospel go to places that it was never expected to go. None of the apostles, Philip included, expected to go to Samaria. None of them. Earlier on, Jesus is in fact the one that told them not to do that. Early in Matthew chapter 10, when he gives them the mission of the twelve, he says to them, he says, don't go to the Gentiles and just stay away from the villages of the Samaritans. Just leave the Samaritans alone, disciples been like good little students, write that little rule down, okay, got it. And yet, here Philip is. Wasn't supposed to be here, didn't expect to go here. What got him there? What is it that allowed him to think to go there? Why did he do it? What bubbled up in him that moved him to a place where they didn't expect to go. Luke goes on to say that his ministry there was highly successful. So successful, in fact, that Peter and John come down from Jerusalem to check out all the goings-on, what's happening down there. They go down, and as the story goes, they baptize many, and they return to Jerusalem with great rejoicing, all except Philip. Philip keeps going. Philip instead decides he feels led to keep going south. It seems, as Professor Will Willimon points out, the restless spirit has other things in mind for Philip. Oh, he keeps going. Why? Why not just go back to Jerusalem with Peter and John? Why, why keep, what is it that led him to do this? Why? Willimon goes on to say that Luke's audience once they get to the point in the story where Philip runs into the Ethiopian, Luke's, Luke's audience would have been absolutely fascinated by the idea of meeting an Ethiopian, captivated by this notion because Ethiopians in that day to the Greco-Roman world were kind of thought of as, as exotic people from a faraway land. They were, they were exotic and surrounded by mystery. And not only that, but a eunuch, as Luke points out, being a court official of a royal, a royal official of the queen of the of Ethiopia and herself. Boy, that just how cool is that! They would have just been taken in. In other words, the basic reader of Luke would have seen this as Philip meeting an exotic, mysterious, royal person from way off on the edge of the world. How cool. Yet the question remains. What led him to do it? I mean, if he wasn't supposed to be down in Samaria in the first place, as Jesus said earlier, why? What what led him to this? why even talk to the guy? He ends up baptizing him as the story <laughs> completes itself, something he also didn't expect. Interestingly enough, something similar if not an exact parallel replica of this experience happens to Peter a couple of chapters later. Same thing happens to Peter. Peter's sitting in his house minding his own business, right? Right? And he has this vision that, for some reason, compels him to go to a place called Caesarea. So he goes to Caesarea and he runs into there to a royal guard of the Roman, the Ro- Roman guard, not a royal, royal guard, a Roman guard, a centurion named Cornelius, a Gentile. So not only is Peter in the wrong place, he's in, he's with the wrong person. He's not even supposed to be with this kind of person, as according to what Jesus said to them a year ago or months ago. Why did he do it? And after a powerful conversation with this centurion, Cornelius, Peter baptizes him. He baptizes a Gentile. Why? He comes back to the early church. Boy, the early church, they were upset with him. They were not happy about this whole thing. Peter comes walking in to the Jerusalem council, you know, and big time, you know, update us on your ministry. And he tells them everything that happened And where he went and what happened there. And the first question they ask is, why did you do that? Why did you do that? We were not supposed to go there. We were not supposed to do that. Why did you do it? And Peter says, well, I don't know. I I I was asking myself that same question why I did it. At the same time, though, when I sat there, I thought about it. And I remember Jesus saying to us that we, that John baptized with water, but that we would baptize by the Holy Spirit. And I remember that, and I sat there in that moment. Here's this man talking to me about receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit in the same way that we did. He, too, has received this gift. And if he has been given this gift by God in the same way that we have, who am I to say otherwise? Who am I to do something different? Who am I to stand in the place of God? That's what Peter says. And I can just... Picture Philip running in right after that. It's not recorded, but I can I can just see it. I can see Philip running in right after Peter gives this whole account of why he did it, saying, Yeah, you know what? That same thing happened to me, same thing, except I wasn't in Caesarea, I was in down, down just out of in Samaria, and I ran into this Ethiopia, it wasn't a centurion but it was an Ethiopian. I ended up baptizing him. I don't know. I just I felt like and I get right. I'm so glad that this weird stuff isn't just happening to me. At the same time though what exactly was it within them that got him to think like that in the first place? What was it that helped them look beyond their own expectations and understanding of what they thought they were supposed to do and see something completely new? Why couldn't they just follow the rules? What was it? Well, the answer is (coughs) simple. Their door was open. It's as simple as that. Their door was wide open, not just to other people. Yeah, sure, their door was wide open to other people, but more important than that, and first and foremost, their door was open to the movement of the Spirit of God in their life. If Jesus had taught them nothing else, he had taught them to be open to the movement of God in their life. They lived it every single day with him. He taught it to them from start to finish, so their door was open. Philip became open to other people because his door was wide open to God if you hadn't recognized that there's a reciprocal relationship between those two things i believe that to be the case in other words when you are open to other people you become more open to god when you become more open to god you become more open to other people when you close yourself off to other people you close yourself off to god you close yourself off to god you close yourself off to other people You wonder why the greatest commandment, love God and love neighbor, is what it is? It's because those two things are so wrapped up together, you can almost not tell them apart. You can't love God without loving people. You can't love people without loving God. You simply can't do it. When you go to a completely new place, or you find yourself in front of someone completely different from yourself, Your openness to the God who moves in your heart and in your life will determine your openness to the person standing right in front of you. An open door is a sign of a playful faith. Philip went where he went and met who he met because his door was wide open. Something we really struggle with. Dr. Jacob Hammond, who I've used through this series, is, he talks about how we come up with all kinds of reasons to keep our door closed to one another. We come up with all kinds of ways to not have to invite a guest into our home or meet someone new and bring them into our life. My house is a mess, we say. I'm not really a good cook. Or what am I going to say? What if What if? I, I don't like them? Or worse yet, what if I don't like them they like me, what am I going to do then? (laughs) Or what if they don't like me at all? What if, what if, what if we come up with all kinds of reasons to keep our doors shut? Yet, here Philip is doing the opposite. Here's the deal. Here's where the rubber of our faith meets the road of life. You open your door to God. You open yourself up to God. Something quite magical will happen. You'll find yourself opening up your door to others. You simply won't be able to help So, my thought to you is this, may your door be wide open to the God who has been given to us in Jesus Christ our Lord. May you be willing to open up yourself to God and welcome the gift of hospitality into your heart. Open your door. Take a chance. You never know. God might just use that very thing to make you a little more playful, a little more whole. God might just use it to help heal this weary world.